You are listening to stories from... Oh, apparently my mashed potatoes are done boiling, but nevertheless, you are still listening to Stories from Central Mass Podcast, and I am your host, the one, the only, Mike. And yeah, I really don't eat mashed potatoes, but my kids like them, so forgive me. It's been some time since I've recorded a podcast, and this seems to be how I start every one of my podcasts, trying to pretend that I know what I'm talking about and that I'm not behind the eight ball with the rest of my life. So I did just try to talk really fast right there, so I thought I could just get out a bunch of words. But, uh, it's been difficult, man. It's that seasonal depression shit kicks in right now. I don't like to pretend that it's real. It does affect me, though. I've got off hours. I deliver bread for a living, so I get up at quarter of two in the morning and sometimes work 12 hours, you know? People are like, oh, cool, man, you get out in the afternoon. Yeah, but I just want to go to sleep. With that being said, I've been on the road a few times in the last couple of weeks, and I can count exactly four times. One of them I can't remember, but the other three definitely. I was driving down Quinsig Ave the other day on a Sunday morning, going to do my Sunday morning overtime where I just go put out backstock. And there's a, like I said, I was on Quinsig Ave, and there was a car just driving down the wrong side of the road. Now, it's one thing to be splitting the lane, you know, maybe just veering over a little bit. But I'm talking Quinsig Ave down near uh, Brosnahan Square area near Cambridge Street where there's a divider, and the guy was on the wrong side of it coming straight at me. And two, three, four, maybe even five times, not all of them really bad, but five times in the last under a month and a half where someone has been driving in the middle of the night, be it between the hours of two in the morning and dawn, on the wrong side of the road. Not just on the wrong side of the yellow line, but on the wrong side of a divider. Luckily, it hasn't been on the highway or anything, and I've been able to avoid it. But Jesus Christ, people, get some fucking sleep. I'm one to talk, because I don't sleep much myself. But nevertheless, life of a bread man. So I was listening to the Ari Shafir podcast called Skeptic Tank. And he had on, um, it was a punk rock, punk rock episode he had with, uh, oh God, Ian Finance. And Ian Finance is a punk rocker from back in the day, comedian, very funny guy, big into Scar and everything. And he was talking about all the different things that happened at shows he'd been to. And he'd say, well, he said something about people losing their shoes. And I can remember one time I was with my buddy Mark and we went out to see the band Clutch. And we were with a friend of ours. I don't remember who the other person was. And I was, you know, 27, 20... I was probably in my early 30s. <clears throat> Late 20s, early 30s. So I'm starting to feel a little old to be out there moshing and stuff. I didn't want to mosh. I was sitting in the back of the place and mosh pit erupted around me. And I got shoved all around by some young guys and... I kind of lost it and swung at one of the dudes a little bit. And the people were like, oh, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down. I, I, okay, I realized I was wrong. And Mosh Pit consumed me again. I got picked up, like moved all around. And my shoes, both my shoes got pulled off. Never to be seen again. That was like 25 minutes into a three-hour show. 
I'm walking around with no shoes on. I saw Clutch at the Middle East about 10 years before that. I was there for about five minutes. Mosh pit erupted. I'm five foot six. I caught an back, a back arm elbow right to the open eye. I've never had, I thought I lost my eyeball. I thought my eyeball split in two. I had a massive black eye for about two weeks. Never saw who did it. Didn't get to enjoy the rest of the show. Sat in the back near the sound guy. And uh, one of the waitresses gave me a bag of ice. And was like, oh, I'm trying. You know, they're all asking me questions like what happened. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I was in a mosh pit. I'm an idiot. So I don't do that shit anymore. I still love that band, but God, I don't do that shit anymore. I guess it's karma, though, because I was at a uh, concert... I don't know, it's called Great Woods. If you're as old as me, it's called Great Woods. I think it was called the Xfinity Center, the Tweeter Center, whatever. It's an outdoor pavilion out in Mansfield, Mass. And I went to see uh, George Thorogood and Destroyers open for the Steve Miller Band. I was in my 20s. I'm standing there with my buddy Mark. It was a great, beautiful day. There was a bunch of us. And out of nowhere, a wooden clog comes flying through the air end over end and hits him right in the chest. He's like, Doo! For some reason, he was facing the wrong ways. You know, looking up at the people. Yeah, whatever, just looking at people. Hits him, he picks it up and throws it. And in my infinite wisdom, I had a pair of shoes on that I didn't really care that much about. I tied them together, swung them around my head, and launched them into the crowd. Only to have to walk through a gravel parking lot about a mile and a half to my car. Not a very smart thing. Not to mention that there was a brawl that happened right in front of me between two girls, and I got caught up in the middle of it just because I was there. <sighs> Good times. <clears throat> Concerts are stupid. They're stupid fun. I've been itching to do a podcast with my buddy, so I'm supposed to be going with my buddy uh, Vin, who's been on the podcast a few times. We're going to go see this hippie band that he likes out at the Orpheum in early November. No, late November. I don't know. About a month and a half. So hopefully we'll get together and while we're there, we'll on the ride out, we'll record something. Who knows if it'll be any good. <clears throat> so right now I'm just trying to babble and try to think of something interesting to say. And, you know, I'm just cooking dinner for my family while they're all out and trying to grasp at straws of all the funny things I can remember. I drive around in my truck and I listen to podcasts and I start to think to myself, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I almost talk out loud to the other people. I have my own versions of what my idea of a story is. I was at the barbershop yesterday, and I think I've told this story before on the show, but uh, the barber couldn't get his uh, Alexa to sync up so he could play some hip-hop or whatever, which I'm not really into, but whatever, man. There's a really cool guys that cut my hair and stuff, and my wife likes the way they do it. It's a little too expensive, but I don't do any self-care, so why not? So they're all tattooed up guys, they're all in bands, they all talk about cool stuff and motorcycles and shit, and I just start to think like, oh man, I'm this 46-year-old guy. My, meanwhile, my barber's like two years younger than me, but he's he's a young at heart guy, you know, he's got kids, he still lives his life, still does what he has fun. And uh, I was like, hey, you know, I was, I was, I deliver bread for a living, and he's like, what? You know, because I usually don't even talk, I'm like, I deliver bread for a living. And I was going into this little convenience store. There's a young guy that owns the place down in Rhode Island. And he has a Bluetooth speaker. And as he got into the place, I started to hear the music. I'm like, oh, I like that band. You know? I like that band too, the next one. And the third band happened to be uh, you know, my, my daughter's uh, piano teacher. 
you know, uh, Nate Wilson, who's the you know former uh, piano player for Assembly of Dust and lead singer and piano player for Ghosts of Jupiter and the Nate Wilson group. And I realized at that moment that my phone was playing in my pocket and somehow it had synced up with the guy's Bluetooth in his, in his store and was playing it. And that's all that happened. Luckily, I got out of the store before uh, I realized it and before any, like, you know, real metal or anything played. But to try to be a cool guy and talk to all the kids, you know, the guys cutting my hair and shit, I told them that uh, I was listening to Patrice O'Neill in my pocket and some vulgar stuff came out over the speaker and I got a real solid chuckle out of all the guys in there and stuff. And, uh, you know, I guess I don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. So it's that time of year when um, not many of the guys are on vacation at work. And I'm a root jumper. I cover guys' roots when they're off. As I've said in the past, I'm somewhere between a supervisor and a regular driver. And what that means is... If I have a problem, I have to talk to the supervisor. They're like, ah, don't worry about it. You're a root jumper. But if a supervisor has a problem with me, it's you should have better known. You should have better fucking known better. You're practically a supervisor. Anyway, this time of year, it gets dark early in the morning. I'm driving in the dark and the sun goes down at four. The seasonal depression is terrible. I don't like to make that an excuse. I got enough shit going on in my head. Traffic has been terrible everywhere because it's been road construction. So I'm in Agawam or Springfield, Mass, somewhere in that area, over near the Big E. And there's, uh, I sit through two green lights, there's like one cop, you know, there's like a street sweeper going by. He can't manage to get anybody through. I'm like, whatever, I got two stops left. I got an hour ride back. That'll be my 12 hours for a day. And I glance over, and as you know, my name is Mike. And I glance over and there's a little place called Michael's Pasta. And you'd think I'd have this little saying they had written underneath this Michael's Pasta sign memorized, but I don't. I had to write it down in a book. Because as difficult as it is to remember it exactly, is as difficult to apply it to my life. Or even say anything that makes any sense for that matter. But maybe you know me, maybe you don't, maybe you think you do, who gives a shit? Maybe I made some sense right there. But what I'm trying to say is, I'll read it to you right now. Underneath the Michael's Pasta sign, it said, You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Let me read that again. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. I don't think I've ever accidentally came across something that meant more to me in my life than I've ever read anywhere. I've read self-help books. I've had my dad burn my ear off with an ear beating about self-help which I miss. I wish he'd do it again. My wife talks to me about many things. She tells me to be, you know, take pride in my life and try to be happy in the moment, and I just can't get myself to do it all the time. I almost cried when I read that sign. Ironically, it said Michael's Pasta. I'm a fat half a guinea, you know? But anyway, it said, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. And I don't know if I said this earlier, I've tried to record this a couple of times, but it feels like lately I go to work. I try to rush through my day because I don't work an hourly job. When I'm done, I get to go home. And there's a fine line between doing your job right and getting home. 
you know, you don't want to hurry up and go through your day so you can hurry up and go to bed so you can hurry up and get up to go to work tomorrow so you can hurry up and go to bed so you can hurry up and maybe eat in between there and maybe see your kids or tell your wife you love her. You know, she's working hard too. But nothing ever rang truer to me in that moment or in any moment for that matter than reading those words. I think I gotta go stop by Michael's Pasta. The funny thing is, is that I saw the sign, it's kind of in the middle of the parking lot and behind the, behind the sign in the picture I took, it's like a building that's, you know, looks like it's under renovation or there isn't a place there anymore. So I'm hoping as I drove by that Michael's Pasta is still off to the right or the left and I just didn't see it. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Now happiness is not something that you can have every day of your life all the time. You know, there's good and there's bad. There's, there's a wave, there's the thing, you know, you're supposed to have a little bit of both so you can feel each thing. You can't have happiness without sadness. It's just how it is. You can be like, no, 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 no. You can, you can shake that off. Yeah, you can. But just the law of reality is, is you can't have one and truly understand it without knowing the feeling of the other. Sometimes, man, sometimes it's just tough. Sometimes, like I said, you just, you're just going through the motions and just trying to get to work, trying to do all the things you're supposed to do. And before you know it, you don't even know how old you are anymore. I'm going to be 46 years old in December. The other day I had to actually pull out a calculator and go 2022 minus 1976. And I'm like, oh yeah, my birthday hasn't happened yet. I'm 45 years old still. I don't remember the last 10 years. And it's terrible because my daughter's 11 years old. You know? I do remember it. There's things I remember, there's things I've done. But hurrying up and trying to get to the point where you're going to be happy, you know, when things aren't bad anymore. I'll be happy later on. Ah, you got to do it now. You got to find your spots. You got to pick your moments. You got to take time for yourself. That's why I'm not going to run from my job anymore. You know, when you get back and boss says to you, oh, well, how come you weren't back at this time? You know, this thing's okay. Hey, you know what? You'd replace me in a heartbeat. Like nothing even happened if I didn't, if I wasn't here anymore. So I'm not going to let those silent little words you just chose to use, or not silent, that doesn't make any sense, but those shitty words you decide to use to describe me, define me. I know I'm trying to talk deep and philosophical right now and it's not really coming out that well. But if you can take anything from this moment, take the lines from Michael's pasta. I'm not going to say them again. You want to hear them? Listen to them. Point being is stop smell the roses. Don't pick them. You know? Just smell them. Have a good time. Because if you don't have a good time now, you're not going to have a good time tomorrow. You're not going to have a good time the next day. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Coming up on Halloween, I live in... uh, little town in Leicester, Massachusetts, and there's this little Amish cemetery 
where people are still buried, but it's a private family one. And they have these metal gates on it that are kind of swiggly looking and somewhat resemble spiders. They don't at all. But it's nicknamed Spider Gates and it's supposed to be haunted and there's all these, you know, urban myths and legends that go along with it. It's just a really pretty trail that goes over near the reservoirs in this little private cemetery. So I'm thinking of bringing my youngest daughter over there this weekend on Saturday after getting out of work while it's still light out. <clears throat> Bring her there and be like, oh, you know, try to force her to go for a little hike with me. See if I can't come up with a uh, scary story to tell her while we're there. I don't know. So to keep in the uh, Halloween tradition, and this is a few days before Halloween, I'll put my little ghost story on the end here, and I'll leave it with that. I didn't mean to get so heavy and deep and philosophical and blah, blah, blah in the middle of this. In fact, I recorded that part that I'm kind of putting at the end, near the top of the episode, and I moved it, trying to hide it in the middle, only have people who actually stay for the whole thing here. If you can get 25% of that out, and understand what I'm saying. I appreciate it. If you can look past my gibberish and crap talk and whatever, I appreciate that as well. This has been Stories from Central Mass Podcast with your host, Mike. Happy Halloween, everybody. And here is my ghost story. And uh, I don't know, man. Take it easy. I'm at Big Y grocery shopping the other day, picking up some snacks for my kids for lunch. I get up to the counter, it's a young girl checking out the groceries. Uh, just to make small talk, I say, hi, how are you? She basically doesn't say anything. I'm like, all right, whatever, no problem. So I'm bagging my own groceries, and at the end of the transaction, the girl stops and looks at me and says, only psychopaths and stepdads buy unfrosted Pop-Tarts. My buddy gives me a call. Um, this takes place back in 2006, 2007. Uh, he gives me a ring. He says, um, hey, I'm having a party. You know, come on out. Uh, I live in central Massachusetts. He lives in Dorchester, Mass. So I live about 40 miles west of him. You can figure out where that is pretty easy. Um, so he says, hey, you know, my, my roommates went home for the weekend and they saw their younger sister getting ready for prom. And they got all nostalgic and everything. And we're going to have a prom theme party at the house. You should come out. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, so I hop in my car and I'm heading out there. I got a tuxedo. I mean, I had been in like a half dozen weddings and such. And I stole a piece from every tuxedo I'd ever had and never returned it. So I had a makeshift suit. I could, I could get by. So I'm rolling out there and I'm not exactly a responsible person. I At this age, I was like 26, 27 years old. I had a... Bunch of CDs on my front seat and a styrofoam container with like leftover food and my tuxedo hanging. And I'm so thrilled to be going out there, finally doing something, you know. And uh, you know, I'm listening to the music and everything. And I get out to like the Mass Pike extension, which is basically just another excuse to have another toll at the end of the Mass Pike to get you into Boston. 
So I get on the Mass Pike extension and I'm heading into Boston. I bang a left, like, I don't know, just after Fenway Park going towards Dorchester. It's somewhere between there and the off-ramp to get to where he was going. I think it was like exit 18. I don't know why I remember that or if it's even true, but whatever. A guy cuts me off. And I mean, he cuts me off bad. He comes whipping from the right-hand side and just drives right in front of me. And I have to jack on my brakes. And my food and my CDs and my tuxedo go flying. And I instantly lose my mind. And I'm like, holy shit, this just happened. I can't believe this just happened. I mean, there's like food on the floor, the CDs everywhere, the tuxedos on the dashboard. And I, I can't tell if the, the legs are getting stuck in the, the barbecue sauce. I, I'm just pissed. So I do something I've never done before. And I just, I just punch it. And I start chasing after the car. And part of me is saying, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Well, you're not going to chase this guy. And the other part of me is like, I got to fucking see what this guy looks like, man. I just got to see what this guy looks like. And I can hear my father saying in my head, Mike, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm saying to myself, I just got to see him. I just got to see him. And, and, and so I, I'm chasing him. And sure enough, we're coming to the off-ramp and there's traffic. And, you know, you can go to the left and keep going straight. But this guy's obviously going to get off the same exit I do. So I just, I, I now start cutting people off. And I, I get right up alongside of him and I stop in an open lane right next to him. I look over at him and I'm, I'm fuming, I'm pissed. But part of me is really, really scared and excited and I don't know what to do. And I accidentally tap my window to like roll it down a little bit, but it automatically starts going all the way down. And as it's going down, I'm making a gesture to him like, roll your window down. And he's looking at me like, yeah, 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 I'll roll my fucking window down. I'll roll my window down. And then he rolls his window down like part way. And now there's like, you know, it's like we're almost like face to face. And, you know, he's got like red hair and a goatee and he's bigger than I am. And I'm like, shit you know but but before I could think or do anything I just yelled out suck a bag of dicks and then I paused and I looked at him he looked at me and he's like huh and then I drove off and just like that I uncomfortably started hysterically laughing I didn't know what to do I I was speeding I had just cut off a bunch of people myself I I looked down my my suit's actually alright the food actually didn't fall out the CDs are on the ground but who cares you know so I'm driving and I just start laughing to myself. I'm like, oh my God, that is the funniest thing I've ever done. And there's nobody here to witness it. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if that guy could tell that story and I, everybody could find out about it, you know? I, I, I don't know, I don't know. So I, I get to Dorchester, I go to the party, I see my buddy. I mean, the party's already hopping when I get there. And he, I start to tell him the story and he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't give a shit. Just get ready, there's girls in prom dresses that are like in their late 20s and the lick is flowing, let's go. So I have a good time. You know, cut to, I don't know, a year or two later. I don't even know how long ago it was after that. I'm at home um, late at night after going out drinking. And I come home and the on HBO is like one of the comic reliefs. It's pre-recorded and whatnot. And it's, you know, it's the one that has like Whoopi Goldberg and Robin Williams and uh, I don't know who else. But um, I turn it on just as they're introducing a comedian and they're like coming to the stage Louis C.K. I'm like oh cool man I like this guy so he comes out to the stage and I'm standing like drunk right in front of the television like six like I don't know six inches away from it and he comes out and he's like so guy told me to suck a bag of dicks the other day in traffic and I froze and I was like I told the guy to suck a bag of dicks in traffic once and he goes on to tell the story 
almost word for word the way I just told it to you. Except the only thing he added was that he said that the guy had a dog in his front seat and then flew into the windshield. Apparently a tuxedo, CDs, and some leftover food looked like a dog. Or I don't know. Maybe it really wasn't him. Maybe it's all just a weird coincidence. But that story, I believe it was him. I don't know. I, I looked into it later on and found out he was actually from the Boston area. But, I mean, the car was kind of shitty that he was driving. He was already an established comedian. I don't know. It's just a story. It's just something that happened to me. There was a weird coincidence that may have just matched up perfectly with somebody else. For all, I don't have any idea where his story took place. This is just a story that happened to me that made me say, hmm. So anyway, that's it.